It's Sunday, January 17th, and we want to welcome you to the Winkler Berktaller Mennonite Church service. God has been good by providing with us with above normal temperatures during this month. However, much better than this, and that is the peace and the warmth that the Lord provides for us when we have a personal relationship with him. This morning, we want to be focusing on part two of the message, The High Cost of Being a Disciple, found in Matthew chapter 18, verses 18 through 27. So come and join us as we worship and praise the Lord together, both in word and in song. Welcome to our worship service here at Winkler Berchtaler Mennonite Church. Uh, a big welcome to all of you who are regular attenders and, uh, and members of this church and regular attenders uh, when we're together. But we also want to welcome all of you who tune into this program uh, who are not uh, attenders here physically but have been joining us online. We want to welcome you as well. I got a Got a note this week uh, we did in our office that a lady from Altona had tuned in and was enjoying our services. And I've also heard that there are others who tune in from uh, much further away. So welcome to all of you. This morning, Pastor Dean is going to speak to us on the high cost of discipleship. Uh, Mrs. Engbrecht is going to give us uh, a little bit of a time with the children teaching them to trust, as, uh, and of course that is in an important part of discipleship, trusting our Father. I'm going to open this morning uh, with a few announcements, and then we'll go to the scripture reading and prayer. So, this morning, uh, to announce, uh, first of all, our missionaries of the week are uh, K&K. I want to pray for them. Secondly, I want to remember a one of the ministries in our community, which is Gateway Resources, and uh, the participants there and the work that they do, that we want to pray for their safety 
and also, of course, uh, those who work there and serve them. Thank you also to our PA operators you will have in our bulletin. Uh, I would add also the, the whole crew that puts uh, together the uh, online services that you see here. Uh, there are more people that are operating here than you can see, and we are thankful for all of them. So pray for them also. In a couple of weeks, we will be welcoming a new member into our church. You can see the details of that in our bulletin. This is a membership transfer, so we can be in prayer about that. And also, um, a step-brother-in-law to Marie Brown was uh, di- well, died last weekend and was uh, buried uh, just a few days ago, Herb Dick, a uh, prominent member in this community. So we all pray for Gloria and for her family. This morning I want to read from Psalm 30. I'm going to read the whole psalm. And how does this tie into discipleship? I think if we would look at it from the point of view of those who do trust in the Lord, um, those who submit themselves to the discipleship of following Jesus, they are the ones who who share in the benefits that we're going to read about in this psalm. Psalm 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, and I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for King David and his joy in writing that, writing that psalm and his experience in knowing that you are the one who delivers him. And Father, we too claim that promise that you are our deliverer. And we thank you that you walk with us in the difficulties of life and that we are not left alone, that we are not abandoned to all our enemies, whatever kind of enemy that might be. 
But you walk with us, and you redeem us, you save us, and we praise you. Father, this morning we want to bring before you the family of Herb Dick. We pray for them that you will grant them comfort and, and peace, and the joy of the Lord knowing that Herb is with you at this moment. Father, we thank you also for one of our sisters who is at Swan Lake waiting for a room here in Winkler. We pray that you would grant her courage and joy. We thank you also, Father, for others within our body who are sick or lonely or grieving. A number of us during this time of COVID have buried loved ones. And then to be alone with that grief is heavy. And so, Father, we pray that you would minister to them through your Spirit and through this body that we would reach out to one another to comfort one another. Father, we also acknowledge that there are avenues of service taking place in this body. First of all, our missionaries, K and K, we pray that you would be with them and their children, that you would I'm not sure what it is that they would need, but I can imagine how tough it is to be a family in a foreign land having to be uh, isolated with COVID. And so, Father, you know their needs. We pray that you would meet them, that they would not become despondent, but that they would rejoice in you for the opportunities that you give them to connect. And we pray that you would bless their family life and all of their ministry and their work in the place where they are. We thank you, Father, also for local ministries, the food ministries of our local church, or of our body here, in reaching out to people in need. And we pray, Father, that as the gospel goes out with that, that people would come to Christ and be saved. Father, we also thank you for Gateway in our community that ministers to those who are challenged. And we pray for them that, they, that it would be a a place of good relationship, and a place of meaningful employment. I thank you for that, uh, that ministry, and I pray that you would add your blessing to it also. And then, Father, we thank you for those in this church who are, who are working to make these online services possible. Uh, sound and camera people and uh, people who work in production and editing we thank you, Father, for each one of them and pray that you would bless that work and each one who participates. We are also looking forward, Father, to, uh, to welcoming a new member into this body, a transfer from another church. We pray that that member would uh, experience the joy of the Lord as she anticipates joining us. Thank you also, Father, for your great provision. You have given us everything we need for life, for health, for fellowship, for reaching out to help one another. And Father, as we return these gifts to you, we ask that you would bless them and that they would reach far. Then Father, we also ask that you would be with our pastor this morning as he speaks to us on the high cost of discipleship. We pray that you would give us ears to hear what you have laid on his heart. Thank you now, Father, for this service. 
We ask for your blessing on our body. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we'll turn to our music team to lead us in some singing. Good morning, everyone. We look forward to doing music with you guys. And the first song we'd like to sing is A Wonderful Savior is Jesus. going to sing together is How Deep the Father's Love for Us. How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That He should give his only Son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the Father turns his face away, as wounds which mark the chosen one bring many sons to glory. 
song we're going to sing together is I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. No turning back Though none go with me Still I will follow Though none go with me Still I will follow Though none go with me Still I will follow No turning back No turning Hi children, welcome here today. Do you have your Bibles handy? We want to look at two verses today. One is in Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4, and we're going to sing a song about this later. When I am afraid, I will trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? It's kind of a long one, but it's a good one. Here's the other verse. This one is from Joshua, chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you? 
Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Those are two verses you can use as memory verses. Now, what are some things that the Bible teaches? What do we learn from the Bible? A few things. Here are some suggestions. We learn who God is. We learn who we are. And we learn how God wants us to live. God tells us in the Bible that he would like us to obey him. And he would like us to trust him. Sometimes that can be very hard. And sometimes it might even be scary. There are lots of people in the Bible that might have been scared to do what God asked them to do. Can you think of any of them? Look at your parents and tell, tell them somebody that you remember. Well, here I have a few more. Do you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were told that they needed to bow down and worship the big golden image of King Nebuchadnezzar. But they didn't do it because they were choosing to obey what God said. And God says that we shall only worship him. Do you know what happened? They got thrown into a fiery furnace. Pretty scary. Well, God was with them and he saved them. Do you remember Paul and Silas? Their story is in the New Testament. After Jesus died and rose again, they were telling people everywhere the good news about Jesus and how much he loves them. And do you know what happened to them? They got put into jail. Sometimes doing the right things and even sharing the love of Jesus can get us into some trouble. But God was with them too, and he helped them, even though they had trouble along the way. Now here's another one, Joshua. That's our Bible verses from Joshua. Remember the people of Israel? Moses was their leader, and he helped them escape from Egypt. They were slaves, and they were in the desert a long time wandering around because they had actually disobeyed God. Well, Moses died, and now God wanted Joshua to be their leader. He wanted Joshua to lead those people into the land that God had promised them. This was a very big job. And I think it was quite scary for Joshua. But do you know what God said to Joshua? Let's look it up in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, or chapter 1. It's where our Bible verse is from. Find it in the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. That's where it is in the Bible. I'm going to read from Joshua 1, from verses... 5 to 9. Listen to this. Listen to what God said. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. And obey everything I have asked you to do. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified and do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you 
wherever you go. Wow. It sounds like Joshua must have been very scared because God said to him so many times, be strong and courageous. It's like God was cheering him on, telling telling him he could do it, that he would be right there with him, helping him. Do you think God is still cheering people on like this today? Well, I know that he is. God encouraged Pastor Victor and me to be strong and courageous when we came here to do the work that he gave us to do here. And think about our missionaries. We have some missionaries in our, in our church, and they have lived in a faraway country for many years, letting people know about Jesus and teaching them about the Bible. Do you think that might have been scary for them at the start? They had to leave their home, their friends, and their family, and they needed to go live in a place where they didn't know anybody. They didn't know the language, and they would have to learn to eat new kinds of food and do things very differently than they were used to. God was inviting our missionaries to do a hard thing, but I think they had the same encouragement from God's word that Joshua did knowing that God would be with them and help them to do that really big job, even if they didn't know exactly how it would all turn out. And how about you? Yes, God is also encouraging you to obey him and do hard things. Maybe hard things like choosing to forgive your friend when he hurts you or when someone says mean things about you, or laughs at you, or says, I'm not playing with you today. That can be hard to choose to forgive. But God says that's exactly what we need to do, forgive. Maybe you need to choose to tell the truth, even if you know it's going to give you a consequence. That can be hard to do, and maybe scary. But God says, do not lie. How about sharing? Ah, this is not so hard, but maybe it is hard. Maybe how about sharing that last cookie or piece of cake with your brother or sister? You'd like to just keep it for yourself and quickly eat it up. Well, God wants us to be kind, and he wants us to have a generous heart. Sometimes that's hard to do. God wants all of us to be strong and courageous and to obey him in everything that he asks us to do, even when we feel like it might be far too hard or scary. But remember, he promises to always be with us and help us. So let's choose to believe God, to be strong and courageous, and to trust and obey God. Would you pray with me, please? Thank you, Jesus, that you love us so very much. You encourage us in your word to be strong and courageous and to obey you even when it's hard. Thank you for helping us and that you have promised to never leave us or forsake us. You will always be with us. 
Thank you for the Bible, where we can see and read about people who trusted and obeyed you, even when things seemed impossible. Thank you for our missionaries that have been strong and courageous to go to faraway places to tell people about Jesus and how much you love them. Thank you, Jesus, for encouraging all of us to be strong and courageous, to trust and obey you here every day. We love you. Amen. Now I'm going to be zipping over to the piano to sing a song with you. Okay, here I am at the piano with Mrs. Laurie. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God whose word I praise. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God whose word I praise. That's from Psalm 56, verse 3. Have a great day. This morning's scripture reading is from Matthew 10, verse 1, and then 17 to 25. The section of this uh, uh, Bible reading is um, entitled, Jesus Sends Out the, Out the Twelve. So Matthew 10, verse 1. He called his disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And verse 17. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before the governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it is not to be you speaking, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the, to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like the teacher and the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? Thus far, reading the God's word. In his book, True Discipleship, William MacDonald quotes H.A. Evans Hopkins, who says this, True Christianity is an all-out commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Savior is not looking for men and women who will give their spare evenings to him, or their weekends, or their years of retirement. Rather, he is seeking those who will give him first place in their lives. He looks today as he has ever looked, not for crowds drifting aimlessly in his his tracks, but the individual men and women whose undying 
allegiance spring forth from having, the, having recognized that he wants those who prepare to follow the path of self-renunciation which he has trod before him. And then William MacDonald goes on to say this, nothing less, nothing less than unconditional surrender could ever be fitting response to his sacrifice at Calvary. Love so amazing, so divine, could never be satisfied with less than our souls, our lives, our all. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 through 27. Follow along with me. When Jesus saw the crowds around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury the dead. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. And without warning, a furious storm came upon the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us! We're going to drown! He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves. And it was completely calm. Then the men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pause before you as we look into your word once more. And Lord, you have described to us what discipleship is all about. How we are called to follow you. For you are the most amazing person who has ever lived. Because not only are you a man, but you were God in the flesh when you were here on earth. And today you are still God in the flesh. So you are all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-seeing. We ask, Lord, that you would have your hand upon us as we look into the scriptures once more. You have called us to sacrificial love, to give to you first in response what you have given to us. And we thank you for this. And I pray now that as you speak to our hearts, open them so that we can hear your word and apply it to our lives. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I've entitled this message, The Second Part of the High Cost of Being a Disciple. The high cost of being a disciple comes with, number one, comes with no luxury living, verses 18 through 20. Comes with no luxury living. By now, Jesus' reputation and popularity have spread throughout the land. Not only was he a person who could preach and teach with authority, but his miracles of healing touched or but his miracles of healing touched thousands in verse 16 just before the main passage that i read it says this 
When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. Who wouldn't want to be associated with Jesus? Who wouldn't want to be one of his disciples? Who wouldn't want to be one of his followers? Look at verses 18 through 20 with me once again. And it says, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. The people were pressing in on Jesus, and he wanted to go to the other side. Matthew doesn't tell us why. Did he want to minister to others, or did he need to get away from the crowds simply to get the rest that he needed? Now, it's very interesting to see that there is one person who wants to come and follow Jesus, and that is the teacher of the law, or in other words, a Pharisee. The Pharisees became one of Jesus' foremost opponents, but this individual was different. Also, to this point in time, Jesus had no clashes with the religious leaders, according to Matthew's account. He noticed and sensed something different about Jesus. It's almost strange here that when this Pharisee says that he will follow Jesus anywhere, that Jesus doesn't welcome him with open arms. Did you notice that? Rather, Jesus seems to discourage him. And one reason may be according to Craig Bloomberg when he says this. Listen to what he says. The man addressed Jesus as teacher a title given to Christ in Matthew only by those who do not fully believe in him. And you can find other verses in Matthew chapter 12, verse 38, chapter 19, verse 16, chapter 22, verse 16, verse 24, and 36. The title is accurate, but it's not adequate. Close quote. Notice Jesus' reply. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What Jesus puts forth here is that anyone who is going to follow him cannot expect him to provide a lavish living because Jesus certainly did not have one. Yes, there would be a ministry and word, miracles and wonders, but Jesus did not want people following him simply for the glory. He was calling people to have a wholehearted commitment and devotion to him. Jesus wanted people following him for the right reason. However, Matthew doesn't say if this Pharisee chose to follow or if he didn't choose to follow. Now we come to the second most astonishing thing, that requirement of the high cost of discipleship. Number two, demands an immediate response. Demands an immediate response. Verses 21 through 22 
Listen, verse 21 says this. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now we have a switch. First, Jesus is trying to discourage one person from following him. And now he is trying to persuade another one to drop everything and come and follow him. There is an urgency to come and follow. Now and later it may be too late. Matthew calls this person another disciple. That seems kind of strange. The term disciple is used quite loosely here, not just of the twelve who became apostles. Many people were following Jesus because he was one of the greatest teachers or the greatest teacher who ever lived. But they were not all fully committed to him yet. Did you know that it's possible to be a disciple and not a Christian? Judas is just one of the examples. But there are others also. Take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 60 verses 60 through 66. Listen to this portion of scripture. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. We learn from this passage of scripture that not everyone who follows Jesus is a Christian. Those who are only those who are not only committed will abandon their faith when tough times or difficult times. However, those who persevere to the end are the true believers. On the surface, Jesus seems to be very insensitive to this fellow because he does not want him to go and bury his father. Or at least it seems that way. The fact is is that his father is not dead yet. If he was, this man would, would be burying his father because he had only till sundown to make all the necessary arrangements and to complete the burial. His father was still alive. His father still could live one year, two years, six, even ten before he would die. Jesus' points is this, anyone could take care of these concerns. Let the spiritual dead bury the physically dead. Just come now and continue to follow Jesus. Remember, this person is a disciple of Jesus because he has been following. How about you today? Are you working at a job or planning for a career that any non-believer could? Instead, you could be involved in some type 
or some full-time Christian ministry that Jesus is calling you to serve. He is calling you to make an immediate response. What will it take for you to be fully committed? Committed disciple. What do you have to put down and what do you have to take up? Now we come to the third astounding requirement of the high cost of being a disciple. Number three, we'll incorporate dangerous missions. We'll incorporate dangerous missions, verses 23 through 25. Let me read this for you once again so that you can understand Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. When Jesus got into the boat, it is only logical that his disciples came along. The twelve Who would follow him? However, they had no idea what was going to happen. Verse 24 tells us that without warning, a storm came up. And usually in real life, that's how fast and dangerous this can appear. One minute, everything is peaceful, as you probably know. And then life is running along smoothly. And in the next moment, all chaos breaks loose. Now, if they hadn't been following Jesus they probably wouldn't have been at home, or they probably would have been home where they were safe. How bad was the danger? Well, it was bad. The waves were so great, they were sweeping over the boat. They were in danger of sinking. This was no ordinary storm, and perhaps this was an attack from Satan. We know from the book of Job that God gave Satan permission to bring a windstorm on Job's children's celebration, and all of them perished in a moment. However, during this turbulence, Jesus is sleeping in the boat. He is extremely tired, extremely exhausted. And somehow they failed to connect their faith with God with the storm. As far as they were concerned, they thought they were going to drown. If you remember, pardon me, remember, if you plan to serve the Lord in some capacity, don't be surprised if dangers and hardships are set before you. Instead, go to the Lord and bring your trials, your problems, your storms, and your fears to him. When the disciples' faith grew weak, where did they go? They went to Jesus. Now there's an important lesson for you and me here. As disciples, we want as disciples, we will be called to dangerous missions, situations and assignments. In our strength, we can't do it. We will never overcome. That is when we will have to call out to the Lord to save us. There is a high cost to being a disciple. But the Lord has promised that he will always be with us. This now leads us to the last astonishing requirement. The high cost of being a disciple, number four, will enable them to see and understand Jesus as others never will. 
Let me repeat that. The high cost of being a disciple will enable them to see and understand Jesus as others never will. And that is the same for you and I when we follow close with the Lord. Verses 26 and 27, I will read once more in just a moment. You see, there are some things that only those who walk with the Lord will see. This is one of the benefits and privileges that a believer who is walking with the Lord will see. Now, let me read for you um, Jesus' reply. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They were in awe that day, for they had never seen anything like this. Jesus chides his disciples because their faith had not grown as it should have. Even though they had seen Jesus perform the many miracles and they seen his power at work, somehow they didn't see that he was in control of everything. Notice that when Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves that it became completely calm instantly. The storm just didn't blow itself out. The storm, the same way he healed the sick and the the masses with the power of his word, he now controlled the brutal forces of nature with his word. Never had they or anyone else ever seen anything like this. The disciple learned, the disciples learned a new lesson about the Lord from this storm by which they were terrified. They say in words of amazement, as I said before, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They knew that Jesus was not an ordinary person. Yes, he was the Messiah who came to save them, but he was more. He was the almighty God in the flesh who can controlled the entire universe. So what kind of response should this elicit from us when, we, when he calls us to come and follow him? Are you ready to drop everything and come and follow? The great hymn writer, Isaac Watts lived from 1674 to 1748. And I quote, Young Watts showed unusual talent at an early age, learning Latin when he was five, Greek at nine, French at 11, and Hebrew at 12. He was a prodigy. As he grew up, he became increasingly disturbed by the uninspiring psalm singing in the English churches. 
He commented, the singing of God's praise is part of worship, part of worship most closely related to heaven, but its performance among us is the worst on earth. Throughout his life, Isaac Watts wrote over 600 hymns and is best known today as the father of English hymnody. His hymns were strong and triumph statements of the Christian faith. Yet none of them equaled the colorful imagery and genuine devotion of this emotional, stirring, and magnificent hymn that he wrote so many years ago and many Uh, Many of you are so familiar with it, and it's entitled, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Listen to the words that he wrote so many years ago. He says this, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet? Or thorns compose so rich a crown. And then the final verse. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Close quote. This is the message of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. That is the message that we want to equip each believer with. A disciple is a person who is totally committed to Jesus Christ. Nothing less than absolute submission could ever be, pit, could ever be fitting response to his sacrifice at Calvary for you and for me. The last song in closing is I Fly Away. Some glad morning when life is over I'll fly away To a home on God's celestial shore
Thank you for coming and worshiping with us this morning. And we trust that you have been blessed and that you have been encouraged to become a fully committed um, disciple to Jesus Christ. I close with a benediction found in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26, very familiar to each one of us. It says this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Bow with me in prayer as we close. Heavenly Father, once more we thank you. We thank you for the day that you have given us. We thank you for allowing us to come to your house to worship you. And we thank you especially, Lord, that when we make that commitment to serve you, that you will come and you will reside in our lives. We pray, Lord, we can never live the Christian life by our self-help. We need you at the center of our lives. And we ask you, Lord, that you'd help us now. Draw us close to yourself so that we can become fully surrendered, committed disciples to you. So, Lord, we ask now that you would guide and direct us as we go our separate ways. And we ask for your blessing upon our time. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.